You know what the word gospel means, G-O-S-P-E-L? You know what that means? Good news. I'm telling you, this Bible is not bad news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news, and the choir just sang the good news. Amen? Woo! I didn't know whether to dance or run. I mean, that was good, boys. I'm telling you, praise God. Don't ever take for granted what Jesus Christ did for you. Don't ever forget how he has rescued you time after time. How when you weren't seeking him, he was seeking you. Never, never, never get over the grace and mercy of God that has sought you. Now I want you to open your Bible this morning to the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. This is the second message entitled... Meeting God in unexpected places and unexpected ways. Another way I like to put it is we have a divine interruption. You say, well, now that, that interrupted me. That interrupted. It, it, it's, it's unexpected and kind of changes things. Meeting God in unexpected places and in unexpected ways. You know, um, it is very clear in the Bible, and you know it to be true, that God is seeking you and me. It is not a matter of us seeking God. You know, I I was thinking about that, that we, we really, when we're not saved, when we're lost, when we don't know God, we don't know Jesus, we may know about Him, we're not seeking God. In Romans Chapter 3, I think it is, it says, There is none that understands, there's none that seeks after God. Well, that's pretty clear, isn't it? There's none that understands, there's none that's seeking after God. I was reminded of the fact that it's God seeking us, not us seeking God. When I thought about Isaiah 53, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. We turned to our own way. But when we were not seeking him and we were going our own way, God in his great love and mercy was seeking us. And I love how the scriptures make it so clear. Adam sinned. And after he sinned, he was guilty. So what did he do? Genesis chapter 3 says, And Adam hid himself from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. He was guilty. He crouches down behind a tree trying to hide from God. And God comes and says, Adam, where are you? God knew where he was. He wanted Adam to know where he was. It was God seeking man. I remember the words of Jesus after he had gone to the house of Zacchaeus. A publican, a thief. And Zacchaeus had gotten saved. And as he was leaving Zacchaeus' house, he said, Today salvation has come to this house, for he too is the son of Abraham. And listen to what he said. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. He said, I'm on a mission. And it's to seek and to save Those that are lost. No verse makes it absolutely clearer that God is seeking us than John 3, 16 and 17. 
For God so loved the world. Would you put your name there? For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that if you would believe in him, you would not perish but have everlasting life. And then he said it. Get this. For God sent his son in did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Let, let me put that personal. For God did not send Jesus in the world to condemn you. He sent Jesus in the world so that you could be saved. Last week we looked at four people who had unexpected encounters with God that changed their life. There was Jacob running from his brother Esau who was going to kill him. And his mother's counsel going to see her brother Laban to find his wife Rachel. And it was while he was running from uh, Esau and going to get his wife, heavens opened and he saw a ladder descending into heaven. And angels were going up and down on that ladder. And at the top was God. And Jacob, Jacob woke up and said, surely God is, was in this place. And I didn't know it. He never expected to meet God on that journey. And he said, truly, this is Bethel, the house of God. And God made a covenant with him. And then there were the two disciples, you remember, walking down the road to Emmaus. And th- as far as they know, Jesus was dead. They were there in Jerusalem. They saw him nailed to the cross. And They were on the road to Emmaus, that town, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up. He's raising from the dead, and he starts walking with them. The Bible says their eyes were restrained. They didn't recognize Jesus. And he began to talk to them. Finally, he stopped and was having a meal with them and broke bread, and their eyes were opened, and they realized that it was Jesus. See, they never expected to encounter Jesus They were full of despair and hopelessness, but Jesus met them on that road to Emmaus. He was unexpected, but it changed their lives. And boy, then we talked about Jonah. Jonah, who heard the voice of God say, go to Nineveh. Jonah said, I'm not going. I'm going to do what I want to do. And he ran from God. You know the story, how a storm came up and God prepared a great fish. Jonah had a divine interruption. He had an unexpected encounter with God. In the belly of a fish. And he cried out to God. And then there was a Philippian jailer. Today, I don't know how many of the four we're going to deal with. I'll just see how it goes along. But there there are two men and two women that I want us to point out to you in the Bible. That had an unexpected encounter with God. That absolutely changed their life. Now, the first one I want us to look at is a a man who was absolutely deceived. He was living a life of unbelievable deception. And God reached out to this man who was deceived, following a wrong path, full of deception, and God radically changed his life. You know what his name was? When he was deceived, his name was Saul of Tarsus. But after he had an unexpected encounter with God on the road to Damascus, his name became Paul the Apostle. Other than Jesus Christ, no one influenced Christianity in this world more than the Apostle Paul. Thirteen books penned from his hand. But I'm telling you, there was a time that he was totally deceived absolutely gripped 
by deception. You have your Bibles open to the book of Acts. You'll notice over in the seventh chapter that he consented to the death of Stephen. Stephen, that godly deacon, that godly man who had preached the gospel to the Jews, and they were greatly upset at at Stephen, and they were going to stone him to death, and they did. Verse 57 of, uh, of Acts 7, And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears up and ran it with one accord, and they cast Stephen out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes, at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul stood there and watched him stone Stephen to death. They just laid his coat. And let let me tell you what it says in chapter 8, verse 1. You want to see deception? A man that was absolutely deceived? It was Saul of Tarsus. It says in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, Now Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. At that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. They were scattered throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men carried Stephen to his burial with great lamentation. Now listen to this. You talk about deceived. Saul, as for Saul, he made great havoc of the church. Entering every house, dragging off men and women, and committing them to prison. Woo! He was deceived. Man, he heard there were a bunch of Christians meeting in this house. Man, he'd get some policemen or soldiers, and he'd go, and he'd grab them, and he'd arrest them, and he'd take them and cast them in the prison because they were followers of Jesus Christ. He was deceived. But guess what? Look at Acts chapter 9. He had an encounter with God in an unexpected way on an unexpected place. What an encounter. We begin reading in Acts chapter 9. Look at this. Here's this deceived man, Saul of Tarsus. Then Saul, breathing threats and murder. Man, listen at that. Against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and said, Give me some letters. I'm going to go to the synagogues of Damascus. So if I find anybody of the way, anybody following Jesus, whether man or woman, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He said, I am headed to Damascus. And if I can find any Christian, they'll come in chains back to Jerusalem. Well, guess what? He had an unexpected encounter with the living God in an unexpected place. Look what happened in verse 3. Of Acts 9. And suddenly, as he came near to Damascus, suddenly a light shone from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he answered, Who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads or the pricks. So he, Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and it will be told you what you should do. Verse 8, Then Saul got up from the ground. His eyes were open, but he saw nothing. He was blind. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And by three, for three days he was without sight and didn't eat or drink. Let me ask you a question. When he left to go to Damascus. 
to get all the Christians he could and arrest them and put them in jail. You thought you think he was going to thought he was going to have an encounter with the living God. You think he had a, was going to have an encounter with the very Jesus Christ that he had blasphemed. He had blasphemed and took great joy in putting his followers. And do you think he was going thought he was going to have an encounter with God? No, but I'm telling you, he had what we call the Damascus Road encounter with God. Now I asked the Lord. I never had asked him this before. Why did you do that to Saul? There were other blasphemers. There were other people that were deceived. All the Jews, they were deceived at that. Why, why, let me ask you a question, Lord. <laughs> why did you do that to Saul? I'm going to tell you why. Without question, he was the greatest threat to the church at that time. So you know what I believe the church was doing? I believe they were on their face praying for Saul. Because the Bible says, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. And pray for those who persecute you or do unevil, do evil things. So you know what I believe? I believe the church was crying out, God, do something about Saul. I, I believe they were bathing heaven with the cry. And I believe God answered the prayers of that early church. And absolutely brought Saul to his knees. He had a divine encounter, a divine interruption, I believe, because of the prayers of the people of God. Well, you know the story. There he was, blind. God spoke to one of his great saints, Ananias, and said to Ananias, Now listen, there's a man over there on the street called Straight. Uh, his name is Saul. He's had a vision. You're going to come. You're going to lay hands on him and pray for him. And his sight's going to be given back to him. Go because he's a chosen vessel for me, God said. And I want to show him, now listen to this, <clears throat> what great things he's going to suffer for my name. Now you, you would think Ananias would go and lay hands on Saul and say, Saul, God has chosen you. Now you're a chosen vessel to proclaim the gospel of Christ to the Gentiles and to the Jews. God's going to use you mightily. But he told me to tell you that you were going to suffer every step of the way. But you know, the Bible says he went, he prayed for him. Saul's eyes was opened, and from now on he's called Paul the Apostle. And immediately he went into the synagogue and said, I want to tell you all something. The very Jesus I blasphemed, and the very Jesus I was putting his followers in jail for, has transformed my life. I had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he is truly the Son of God. He is truly the Savior, and he is truly the Lord. And he proclaimed Jesus until they martyred him. An unexpected God counter with God in an unexpected way. God was seeking him. I want to spend a little time on this thing about deception. A more, lot more than I probably won't maybe get to one other, but I, I won't talk to you about it. See, Paul was sincere, but he was deceived. And you know, I believe we're living in a day of unparalleled deception. You know what the Bible says? The Bible warns us that in our days, there's going to be unparalleled deception. Just unbelievable deception. And in the book 
of Second um, Timothy, Second uh, Timothy. Well, it's First Timothy, chapter four. I want you to listen to this. Now, I'm going to talk to you a moment about being deceived, about deception. You say, how could Paul, Saul, be so deceived? He was deceived. That's just it. And it says in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1 and 2, Now the Spirit speaks expressly in the latter times that some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Wow. He said, let me tell you what's going to happen. People are, are, are not going to listen to the gospel. They're not going to listen to the faith because you know what happens? They're going to give heed to the doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits. Over in, that was 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Over in 2 Timothy, he, he again warns us that these are going to be days of unparalleled, unparalleled deception. In, 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 in 2 Timothy 3, 1. This know that in the last days perilous time will come. And listen to what he says in verse 13. Folks, we're living in a day of great deception. It says, but evil men and imposters will wax worse and worse. Evil men and imposters will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I'm telling you, these are days of unparalleled deception. Doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits. Let me just give you an example. Look what just happened in America and around the world. A, quote, false prophet said, May 21st, the world is going to end. There were billboards in cities all across this nation and all around the world. The world's going to end on May 21st. You need to get prepared. Well, this was the second time this guy had done that. You know why? Everybody should have known that he was wrong. No one who knew the Bible should have listened to him. Because Jesus said, I'm going to come back and there will be the end of the world. But of that day and the hour, no man knows. Now, what part of that is hard to understand? Did you know a medical student dropped out of medical school and got ready on the 21st of May? Did you know people sold everything they had and got prepared because May the 20th? Hey, you say, how can intelligent people, hey, it ain't got nothing to do with intelligence. It's got to do with deception. It's got to do with doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits. How could Germany, that was the most advanced nation in the world, uh, uh, scientifically and in every way, how could they follow a one-armed paper hanger named Hitler who was demonized? How could they ever, ever follow him? And he didn't have one arm. That was another thing. But he, how could anybody follow Hitler because he was, I mean, he, how in the world would anybody ever believe that? Because he made a pact with the devil. And he told God, the devil, if he'd give him power, that he would... Do his work, and that's why I killed seven, six or seven million Jews. Let me tell you something. It has nothing to do with intelligence. It has everything to do with deception. The doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits. You said there's one thing about it. I could never be deceived. Guess what? You've just been deceived. Oh, that's right. Any of us in this room can be deceived. 
The Bible says it's going to be saved so great in the, in the last days it would almost deceive the elect. Let me, let me talk to you a moment about deceiving yourself. The Bible warns us about self-deception. It's just, it's just all over here, and you just begin to look at it, and you see what the Word of God says about how we can deceive ourselves. For example, in Matthew seven twenty one, Jesus said you could be deceived about your salvation. Now, I want you to listen to what he says. Now, I, I'm just, I just felt strong by God when I got on this. He said, you need to deal with this matter of deception because this is, is, is rampant in our day. And in in Matthew 7, verse 21, he said, you can be deceived about whether or not you're saved. Listen to what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? In your name cast out demons, and in your name done many wonderful works. They said, Lord, look, we know you, and look what we did. But there was a problem that never stopped sinning. Look at what he says. I will declare to them, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. All the time they said they know him and did religious works in his name. They never stopped practicing lawlessness. There was no fruit in their life. And the Bible says by their fruits you shall know. You know, you know he said, you, he, Jesus warned about being deceived uh, about salvation. But he also warned us about um, Living like hell and thinking we're going to go to heaven. <laughs> now, that's a great deception today in this world. Well, I know I just, I don't live a Christian life. I mean, I'm ungodly in many ways I live. I, I, I'll just live like hell, but I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll go to heaven. Now, do you know that he warned us against that? The Word of God did. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9, I want you all to listen to this. Because it's really good news. You're going to think it's bad news. But it isn't. It's really good news. He, he warned us about not being deceived. Well, I can live like hell and go to heaven. He warned us against that. You know, how in the world could Saul of Tarsus, one of the most educated men of his day, stuttered at the feet of Gamaliel, how in the world could he miss the very Messiah that was prophesied? He was deceived. And listen to what he says here about Living like hell and going to heaven. He says it ain't going to happen. I want to read the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now listen to these words. Be not deceived. That's exactly what he says. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. He said, you don't live like hell and go to heaven. But listen, that's not the end of the verses. Listen to what he says. And such were some of you. Some of you were fornicators and idolaters. Some of you were adulterers. Some of you were homosexuals or sodomites. Some of you were thieves, covetous, or drunkards, or revilers. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. 
You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Let me tell you something. When you say, now listen, you live like hell, you're not going to go to heaven. If you practice adultery or, you, or your lifestyle is fornication or homosexuality or sodomy or covetousness or drunkenness, you see, if you say that to people, they say, well, wait a minute, you're, 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 you're judging me and, and you're, you're a, a homophobic basher or something like that. No! We're just simply saying what the Word of God says. The truth is, God loves adulterers, and God loves every sinner, and He loves homosexuals, and He loves sodomites, and He loves thieves, and He loves covetous. He loves them, but He hates their sin. And I want to tell you one thing. You better love sinners. You better not hate them. You can hate their sin, but there's no excuse for you being ugly or harmful are mean-spirited toward people, whether they are adulterers or fornicators or homosexuals. There's no reason to be mean-spirited toward them. Because, but for the grace of God, you would be lost and you'd be headed for a devil's hell. You can hate the sin and you better love the sinner. But he said right here, don't be deceived. You can't live like hell and go to heaven. It was a sad day in Alabama last two weeks. I hope you read the article in uh, the press register about Dr. Norman McCrumman. He's been for 13 years pastor of Spring Hill Presbyterian Church. Did a wonderful job. He is a godly man. He understands the grace of God. If you got yesterday's paper, go back and just read about this godly man. But you know what the, the, the synod of the, of the Presbyterian Church in Alabama voted to do 34 to 33 two weeks ago. You know what they voted to do? They voted to take out of their book of order where it said that to be in the ministry, marriage was be, to be between a man and a woman, faithful to each other, or a single person living a celibate life. They took that out of their creed and beliefs and basically said two practicing homosexuals can be in the ministry a practiced lesbian can be in the ministry do you understand 34 to 33 they absolutely voted against the word of God and folks that wasn't in Boston and the Presbyterian Church all across America Voted to accept homosexuality and lesbianism as a lifestyle, not only as a lifestyle to be accepted, but they could be in the ministry. Folks, that's an abomination to God. That's, I, I'll tell you, I, I, and I don't think it's no accident Norman McCrumman's getting out of the Presbyterian Church right now. How could I stay in it when I know that we voted to say it's all right to be a homosexual lesbian and to be in the ministry, to be a priest? My God. It's, you know what? You said, Brother Fred, how could that ever happen? Listen, it's called deception. It's deception. And the Bible warns about it. You know, the Bible warns not only about deception, about our salvation. It not only warns about deception, about living like hell and going to heaven. But it warns about hearing the word of God and not obeying it. You know what it says in James? 
122, whoever, whoever hears the word of God and does not do it deceives himself. Now, you, you know what that just said? Now, he warns us about deception. He says, whoever hears my word and does not do it deceives himself. You come, you hear the word of God. God speaks to you. You do nothing about it. Guess what you just did? You walked into deception. Folks, I'm telling you, it's all over the Bible. And the, he said in the last days, there'll be the doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits and false prophets and evil, evil men will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You know, he um, not only warns us about hearing the word of God and not doing it, he warns us not to be um, deceived about our true spiritual condition. Did you know um, it's possible to think you're something when you aren't that? Did you know that? L- let me read you two verses about how we can say, well, I believe I'm, this is what I believe I am, but somehow we could miss it. I want you to listen to these verses. He warns us about being deceived about our true spiritual condition. He says, um, now th- I'm reading Galatians 6, 3. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You know, you know what he's saying? If you think yourself to be something when you are nothing, you are deceiving yourselves. But let each one examine his own work. And he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. He said, if you think yourself to be something when you're nothing, you've deceived yourself. So examine your own heart. Examine your own work. And you'll rejoice in himself alone and not in another. One of my favorite statements about people, and, and, and perhaps I've been there myself. I mean, I'm not throwing a rock at anybody. I mean, but, but they think themselves to be something when they're nothing. My, my statement is, well, I'll tell you one thing. If I could buy them for what they're worth and sell them for what they think they're worth, I'd never have to work another day in my life. I know people that can strut sitting down. That's the honest to truth. Bunch of peacocks. Some of them are preachers. That's what blows my mind. Paul said, let me tell you something. If you think yourself to be something, when you're nothing, you deceive you. You better examine your own work and see whether you have the approval of God. You see, the reason I felt just led to stay on this a little while, and I'd rather gone on to something else, is... Um, this deception is rampant. In America, it's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable how people are deceived. Man, they, they say, well, I'm a Christian, but they live like hell. I'm going to live like hell and go to heaven. And they hear the word of God and never do anything about it. They never take time to examine their true spiritual condition. And there's one other way of, uh, area of deception I want to warn you about. Is that you think you can sin and get away with it. I'm just going to give you a verse now. Well, you know, I, I, they, uh, brother, brother Fred said that if I sinned, there were consequences. Well, I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't got any. He was wrong. There's no consequences. Well, let me read you this verse. Do not be, do not be deceived. Now, the reason, see, it's verse 7. You know why I said don't be deceived? Because you can be. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You don't make a fool of God. God keeps his word. You don't pull the wool over God's eyes. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. 
He said, you're going to reap what you sow. And he said, let me give you the good news. Do not grow weary while doing good in due season. You do good, you're going to reap if you don't faint. Somebody says, well, you know, he told me if I sinned, this would be the result of it. Well, I, I did it. Hey, listen, when you sow the seed, the seed doesn't come up overnight. It has to germinate, and soon it grows and sprouts. And have you ever found out about sowing seed? You reap more than you sow. You reap the same thing that you sow, and you reap later than you sow. So don't, don't, don't get this idea. Man, there's no consequences for sin. No, you've you, you just been deceived. Whatever you sow, you reap. Folks, I know I can be deceived. There are people who would say, just because of what I've said in this message this morning, that I'm deceived. They'd, they'd say that I'm a, a right-wing fundamentalist who who's been deceived and who doesn't love people. That's the biggest lie I've ever heard. Man, I love sinners because I'm a sinner. And you love sinners because you're a sinner. We don't judge anybody. We, we don't want anybody to die and go to hell. But if I know a man's going to hell and I know, he, and I know the path he's eating on is deception and I don't warn him, then I don't love him. Do you understand what I'm saying? The world will try to intimidate you and say, Keep your mouth shut. You're narrow-minded. You're judging. No, we're not. We're warning people. In the last days, there are going to be doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits. And evil men are going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and deceiving. And so all we got to do is allow, this is your final test for anything. It's the Word of God. I never gave a second thought to the guy who said the world was going to come to the end on May 21st because I knew that no man knows the day or the hour, and it was no way he could be right. I knew that. So why would I even give it a second thought? And, and I know that you can't live like hell and go to heaven. So if I'm living like hell and think I'm going to heaven, I might as well go and admit it that I'm deceived. And if I think that I can sin and it has no consequences, then I, I mean, I'm just telling you, I've, done, I've deceived myself. So I understand that any of us can be, but the final test is the Word of God. You can't go wrong by testing every truth or every teaching or every doctrine or every direct. You can't go wrong. And you don't pick and choose what part of God's Word you believe. You believe it all or you don't believe it at all. Did you hear what I just said? So they would say because Jesus never said anything about that, but only Paul did. What's that got to do with it? If it's in the Bible, it is the word of the living God. And I'm going to tell you something. If you say, well, I'm not sure it's the word of God, you're deceived. Oh, yeah. You've given in to the doctrines of demons. Once you erode to confidence in the Bible, every man does what's right in his own eyes. This is the anchor. This is the one foundation upon which you can build a righteous and a godly life and one day meet God unashamed. But, buddy, when you begin to doubt and throw this book out, you are over the edge. And you are in serious trouble.